0: Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Uh, This is kind of an interesting season, isn't it? I mean, my goodness, Christmas came early this year with the weather and snow, uh, and we've got a number of things. I know it's kind of caught us around here at the church a little flat-footed, but just like... We've got to really start planning for a number of these things, and, and so the Christmas party coming up, hope that you can be a part of that. Again, just to refresh yourself with the information that is available. Uh, the messages that we have on Sunday mornings are made available on our website, auroracornerstone.ca. They're also available if you go. You can also get them on podcasts. and I didn't know how to do that until I was actually, when I was on vacation... I wanted to uh, listen in on the messages that were happening back here, and so I had to figure it out while I was on vacation, and it's actually pretty easy. And then you can actually just get it from podcasts, and you can, on a weekly basis, just uh, download the messages on podcasts. The other thing, too, is that when you come in, we make the messages available. The notes that you see coming up are available on a hard copy, and they're available at the Information Center on the way in, should you be interested in taking notes. I find I benefit in taking notes. It helps me to recall what is being said. It helps me to concentrate. I will have a tendency to drift. So the notes keep me centered on what's happening. We provide some notes at the information center on the way in on Sunday mornings if you just it's right on their path. You can pick up some notes if you want to just follow along, make some notes. The slides are there. You can put notes as well. At the end of the service, if you haven't maybe already done it, you can pick the notes up. If there's notes left over, you can pick them up on the way out. The reason I say that is because we really are, we try to be very intentional in what God is leading the church in the direction He wants us to go, not only in the direction of outreach, but in the direction of the ministry, healing ministry here within our context. And so we want to Keep you abreast of that so that you can follow along with us. This morning, I invite you to turn with me to the scripture in 2 Timothy. I invite you to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn there. We do put it up again, encourage you in the Bibles, if, you, if not your devices. But 2 Timothy chapter 1. A few, actually, it was two weeks ago, I preached a message. Entitled Two Parables, One Point. And the parable's point had to do with God never positions his children to fail. This is not prosperity gospel. Oh well, I guess it is. I mean, if you don't fail, you prosper. But that's not what it is. It's not about give me, give me, give me. I want more. I should get more. I deserve more. It's not about that. It's about that what God has given you, set you up with, created you, developed you, He didn't do it for you to fail. He didn't do it for you to, uh, to not be a blessing to others. God has given me what I need in order to be a blessing to other people. And God has given every one of us exactly what we need to be a blessing to other people. That we will bless them. And that's what I mean when I say succeed. We will succeed in presenting Him to others. We will be successful. So a Sunday school teacher, a worker, a, 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 a person who is involved in, in ministry of healing or ministry of helps. That it's not that you will fail. And we will. There will be times where we fall short. But God has provided what we need. The tools, the giftings in order to accomplish what needs to be accomplished. Nothing less. And for that parable, that was kind of the main point. The capacity is his capacity to fulfill that. The problem is, is it doesn't always happen. Quite to the contrary. The problem is, is frequently we don't see a lot of success. So I want to take us to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. Gonna read it from two different translations. The first is the New King James. It says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. The New Living says it this way, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. So Father, this morning I ask that you would just, we, as we have invited you earlier in our time of praise and worship, we have not rescinded that. Our hearts, our invitation is, Holy Spirit, we desire you to speak to us now may our ears be receptive to what you're saying and so God we will resist I will resist the temptation to (laughs) doze off I'll resist the temptation to let my mind flirt with other thoughts I'll resist the temptation to check out I'll resist the temptation to posture myself as knowing all but Lord as a servant as a child of you I now position myself under your word that you speak to me, Lord. Not only do I desire to hear, I desire to obey. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ephesians chapter 1, I want to go to a text here in just a moment. If you want to turn to that, you, we're going to come back. We're going to keep rotating back to 2 Timothy. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ and surrendered your life to His Lordship, God positions you in authority. It's called, it's called positional authority, that He has placed you in a position different than you were before you came to Christ as Lord and Savior. And we pick up on this in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I'm just going to read it. I think it's before you. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He, God, has called you, us, His church. The riches of His, God, His glorious inheritance in His holy people. And His incomparably great power for us, the church, who believe. That power, that power is the same as the mighty strength He exerted when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power, dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age but also in the one to come, and God placed all things under His, Christ, feet, and appointed Him, Christ, to be head over everything for the church. I want you to know particularly that in verse 20, He says, He raised Christ and seated Him At the right hand in the heavenly realms. And what became curious for me when reading that was it wasn't in heavenly realm, singular. It was in heavenly realms, plural. Every translation it was plural. Heavenly realms. Multiple realms. So there is a hierarchy of realms by which exists that we we don't see with our naked eye. It exists. He has placed him. He's exerted when he exerted raised Christ from the dead, seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule authority. In other words, this, this place where he placed him uh, far surpassed anything that we see and live in in the physical flesh. Now, realms, plural, is explained in the next chapter. So, chapter 2, verse 1. As for you, now that's us. He was talking to... The Christians at the time, but it's passed on. It's an open letter for us today. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. In other words, when we lived for, the, for Satan, when we lived for the devil, when we lived for ourselves, when we were not redeemed, our spirit was not, uh, his spirit did not abide in us, Okay. In that place, he's talking about, verse 3, All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But, because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, everybody say rich in mercy. (laughs) Rich in mercy, made us alive. The word here is zoe, z-o-e, brings to life. He made us alive. When his spirit indwelled, life came. What was dead? Life came. Okay, that's what he's saying. Let's go back to that now. So he says, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions, even though we had sinned it's by grace you have been saved verse 6 the key one and god raised us up with christ and seated us with him in the heavenly plural realms in christ jesus you read that again god raises we're alive he's raised us up with christ jesus with christ and seated us. Now remember earlier, the chapter before he talked about where he raised God and seated him uh, at the right hand in the heavenly realms? Now we see why he said that. We're in the next chapter. He's saying, and God has raised us. So it's not just Christ in this place. He says he has raised us up, not one day, not at the resurrection. He didn't say he will one day raise us up. It's present tense. And God Raised us. He provided it through Christ. But in Christ, when you come to Christ, at that moment, He raises you up. He pulls you up into, if you would, seating us in, with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. So, a child of God, a redeemed child of God, one who has surrendered their life to Christ's Lordship, is now given a position above the ruler of this world. The principalities of this world. That's what he's talking in chapter 1, chapter 2. We are not just grinding it out as when we were lost, but he's raised us up. He's, He's not only caused life, Zoe, to rise up in our spirit, but now he has pulled us. He's elevated. He's positioned us. He has placed us in a higher realm. In other words, it's an authoritative realm. You now have authority that you didn't have prior just as Christ had authority over death and the grave and everything in it and all principalities and powers, chapter one, then chapter two, and the whole point of this was not simply to give a dissertation of who Christ was it was in order to help us to understand now in Christ you've been pulled up to that place as an individual, not one day when you die, as an individual right now through Christ Jesus and God raised us up with Christ, seated us with Him in the heavenly realms, plural In Christ. He's making sure you know it's in Christ. He said it three times. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with Christ in the heavenly realms in Christ. You're not on your own. That's very comforting. You're not on your own. In Christ, I'm positionally changed. So now we understand when he commissioned us to go, therefore, into this world, we don't go as we were. We go as we are. We don't go as one who's unredeemed and at the level of no authority. We go as one who has been redeemed, alive in Christ, but not just alive in Christ. We positionally, authoritatively have the right and all the means to accomplish what He has given us to accomplish. We have it. Now, this, this, this is huge. This Bible college stuff here. Because if we don't get this then we will continue to live outside the dimension of our authority in Christ Jesus. And we will succumb to the enemy of our faith, and we will be defeated constantly, 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 beat up all the time, not living to what God has provided. That's why he's addressing the Ephesian church. And much of those epistles, if you read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, a lot of that he's addressing all of this. They're great studies. I encourage you this week, if you're looking for a passage to study, study those four. And study them slowly, intentionally, let it soak into your spirit, ask Holy Spirit to reveal them. It's a beautiful study. So now we are positionally placed in the heavenly places against the enemy's authority and power. However, Satan, just as he did with Adam in the Garden of Eden, seeks to displace you. You are in Christ Jesus placed in authority, but the enemy actively seeks to displace you, to gets you out of your authority to displace you in order to regain the authority Jesus stripped him of. If he can displace you, he regains authority that really isn't his to gain. And if the devil can get the believer to lay down his authority, then he can once again have authority to operate in your life. If he can get you to lay it down. So I hope you're seeing this. Are we tracking with this? I think it's straightforward. So now that we have established that all believers in Christ Jesus hold this position of authority that comes from God, then the gifts, now He talks, I've given you gifts. The gifts that God freely gives, each according to their own ability, can now fully operate. They can fully operate because there is no principality, no power, no ruler. Things present, no things past, height nor depth, nor any other creation can separate us from the love of God. Romans 8, 37, 38. None of it can do it. It doesn't have the authority nor power to do it. Because positionally we're authority. Unless the devil can displace your authority. And if he can displace your authority, then your giftings in order to accomplish all that God has for you in your life will not come to pass. And we're seeing this. It's happening. As a matter of fact, two days ago, I was going in an entirely different direction this morning. And then I went to a funeral on Thursday. It was my aunt's funeral, but it was a part of that funeral. And then God began to stir me. And I knew at the funeral, God was saying to my heart, we're going to put that other on hold. There's something else you need to talk about. And I didn't know what it was. And then I hate it when that happens. I really do. Because I like having everything in order. If you know me, I like to have my ducks in order. And God kicks them out. And it's like... We're changing things this Sunday. I'm not 100% sure why, except God knows what He's doing. So, it, this authority, this displacement of authority is where your gifts can no longer be effective because, well, he's, the devil has got you to a place of believing that. Now, let's talk about, for a second about gifts. What do you mean gifts, Pastor? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7, if you go a little bit farther, it says, He has given each one of us special gifts. Down to verse 7. The purpose is to fill the universe with Himself. So as the church exercises their giftings, then God is able to be glorified. Uh, Verse 12, Ephesians 4. To equip God's people to do the work of the ministry and to build up the church so that there can be unity in faith, knowledge of the Son of God completing His mission. I'm going to say that again. So that there can be unity of the faith. God desires unity of the faith. It's not always true. He wants to divide it. The enemy wants to divide it. He has gifted us so that we can equip people in the ministry, building each other up, working together, so that we're unified in faith, that we grow in knowing who we are in the Son, positional authority, and we can complete His mission on earth. So why is it So many believers are ineffective when it comes to the kingdom of God. And it's the series that I'm going to, three-part series. And the, the series is called Power, Love, and Sound Mind. But what I want to talk specifically this morning is a spirit called intimidation. A spirit called intimidation that Paul was saying was happening in the church of his day. And it was never excommunicated. It was never evicted. That spirit is still in operation. It's a message that that spirit is still in operation throughout the centuries and even today. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. Paul, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. And then in the New King James it says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So Paul is talking to Timothy. He's mentored Timothy. Timothy's a number of years younger than him. And he's talking to Timothy, and, and early in this, in this chapter, he is saying, Timothy, you've got some good culture around you. I know your grandma, he says. I know your mama. He says these people are people of faith. He said, and then he goes into the Scripture in verse 6. He says, so it's for this reason, Timothy, it's because... Because there's no reason you should be laying down your faith. If you go down to verse 8, verse 9, verse 10, later on, what Timothy, Timothy was pulling away. He was, he was, he was pulling back. He wasn't being, uh, he wasn't stepping into the calling. Uh, and Paul was addressing that. He was saying, Timothy, you need to come back in. There needs to be an awakening in you, Timothy. For this reason, I fan into flame. No, If you have to fan into flame, that means the flame has gone to embers. So Paul says, I'm showing up in front of you right now, and I'm starting, I've got to <sighs> I gotta get that flame back up, Timothy. Timothy, it's going out. Timothy, you've stepped out of your authority. Timothy, something has displaced you. So I'm fanning into flame. And then he identifies it. Timothy, here's what it is, verse 7, spirit of fear, the spirit of fear. So Paul says, I'm here to stir it up. I'm here to stir it up. Church, listen, there are those with pure hearts, like Timothy, with true intentions who believe that if God wants something to happen, it will just happen. But that's not true. Edmund Burke in 1795 said, The only thing necessary for, triumph, for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. What causes the gift of God to lie dormant? The spirit of timidity timidity intimidated believers lose the positional authority in the spirit by default and when they lose the position of authority by default the gifting that god has given the ability that god has given them lies asleep and inactive because it's gone dormant so what's this intimidation he's talking about let's dig into this just a few more minutes Intimidation, definition, here it is. So what is this, Pastor, you're saying it is? Well, intimidation, the word here, and that's why I've pulled the word intimidation, because I think it better reflects. Fear is so broad. Intimidation is defining exactly what this is. Intimidation here means to render timid. Okay, that makes sense. To inspire with fear. So in positive with the negative. To inspire, though, with fear. Fear inspires you. To overawe, cause to cower, or to discourage, coerce, suppress by threatening. Intimidation wants to overwhelm you with a sense of inferiority. You can't do it. I'm going to say that again. Intimidation wants to overwhelm you with the sense of inferiority. And once you've retreated into submission, you now become a servant to the intimidator. No longer are you free to fulfill the will of God in your life. Your giftings have been rendered dormant. And, you, and, and the enemy retires you. I want to give an illustration of a case of this taking place. The Spirit was in operation back in 1 Kings chapter 18. In 1 Kings chapter 18, prophet Elijah, God had his hand on him and had marked him for great things. I got a call from an old friend of mine who had been down some revival services just about a month ago and he came back and he says, you've got to listen to this song. It's called, I'm Marked. I'm Marked. Wow. That just kind of undoes you. I'm Marked. I can't do anything else. I'm Marked. I'm Marked. That's, that's what I've got to do. And... And in this, Elijah had been marked. Elijah had been called of God to be a prophet, to speak into the day. There was a very wicked king. His name was Ahab, his wife Jezebel. And he had brought such destruction and pillaged the kingdom. And the hearts of the people were crying out. And God was raising up the answer through the prophet Elijah. was speaking through this prophet. And Elijah, again, the story is found in 1 Kings chapter 18. And Elijah the prophet was operating in tremendous power. He was moving in authority that God had given him. He would stand boldly before the king, who the king had no fear of God, and Elijah declared to the king, there will be no dew nor rain for years until I give the word. He had boldness and brass to stand before the king and make such a bold prediction. I mean, king could have just wiped him out. But he boldly declared what God had asked him to declare. Elijah was a man... Powerfully moved by God to change history. You can read of it. But on this particular day, in chapter 18, his greatest spiritual triumph, the day that he saw the greatest things happen, was also the day he would run for his life under the spirit of intimidation. It was an operation. He was so intimidated that day, so discouraged, so overwhelmed, so feeling inferior... By this person, her name was Jezebel, that he wanted to die. He just wanted to stop. Church, listen, the purpose of that intimidation was to prevent Elijah from completing God's purpose. You see, the enemy of our soul is not so concerned if you start the work. He wants to make sure you can't complete it. Because if you can't complete it, not only does he get you, but he gets people who sees incomplete work. And it's a testimony against the kingdom of God. And so Elijah had been called not simply on that day. I mean, he would stand and he would see great things take place. He would stand in front of all these prophets. He would see rain come when he commanded it. He would see fire from heaven. He would see amazing things. But right before this little woman, who was probably smaller in stature to him, the spirit hit him. He was overcome by this. And God's desire wasn't simply to have fire, wasn't to have burn up an altar. His desire wasn't to bring rain. God's desire was he needed Ahab and Jezebel removed. And Elijah never did it. He forfeited his call because of a spirit of intimidation. Wow. Some symptoms. I want to show you some symptoms of the spirit of intimidation. An intimidating spirit unleashes confusion. Confusion. You don't know what to do next. You don't know where to turn. Secondly, it unleashes discouragement. We need courage to step forward in faith. Intimidation pulls that courage from us and discourages us. It unleashes frustration. It You will lose your perspective where you stand, and everything will seem overwhelming. Okay, let me go through that again. Those are really, we can spend a long time just on those. The spirit of intimidation unleashes confusion, discouragement, frustration. You will lose your perspective and everything will seem overwhelming. And if it is not dealt with swiftly, you will do things you would never do were you not under intimidation's influence. You'll end up doing Elijah was knocked out of his authority when he didn't confront the spirit of intimidation When it confronted him that day through a person by the name of Jezebel. And it knocked him out of his authority. And as a result, his ministry and the ministry to the nation was never fully realized. Because of the spirit of intimidation. When Elijah ran, he dropped his servant off. He went 40 days, 40 nights to Mount Horeb. And the first thing God said to him when he got there, God says, what are you doing here? God showed up, Elijah, what are you doing here? In other words... Why aren't you in your positional authority? Why aren't you doing what I've called you and positioned you to do? Only you can do that, what I've positioned you to do. Why aren't you there? Why are you here? Why are you here, not there? God desired him to go back to confront Jezebel as he had confronted the prophets of Baal. And that would complete what had begun on Mount Carmel, the point of Mount Carmel, was not to have a fire. The point of Mount Carmel was to get Ahab and Jezebel off the throne. And God was saying, why are you over here? You need to be over there. All this came to pass. Years worth of work. That you were obedient and you stood before powers before you that could have wiped you off. But you let this person, this spirit, get to you. You surrendered. Displaced you. Elijah did not want to face her. And the work God began through Elijah would not be completed until somebody later got Jezebel off the throne. Jesus taught in Mark chapter 3, verse 27. He said, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Then and only then. Although Ahab was the official leader, his wife was carrying the spirit. She would be, if you would, the strong man. We call it the kingpin. You had to go after this. Listen, beloved, this morning, listen to this. You may be head of your home. You may be head of your company. You may be a leader in the church or a pastor. Yet you are being controlled by a manipulating spirit or a a controlling spirit If that happens, it doesn't matter where you are. If that happens, you need to stay in your authority so you can protect and move in the power of the Holy Spirit. Intimidation paralyzes us in the realm of the Spirit. It causes us to compromise what we know is right in order to recognize we have to settle a couple of issues about the spirit of intimidation. Remember 2 Timothy 1, 7. I have not given you a spirit of intimidation, God says. So if that's the case, the spirit of intimidation. We have to settle a couple of things. Number one, timidity is first of all a spirit. Number two, it's a spirit not from God. (laughs) And that's pretty okay. A couple of things we need to settle on this. Timidity is a spirit, and it's not from God. Now I'm not talking about being apprehensive about something every time you're apprehensive. It's a spirit. I'm not saying that. But what we're talking about, this particular intimidation, is a spirit. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. The word spirit means just that. Since intimidation is a spirit, you can't fight it with your head. Since intimidation is a spirit, you can't fight it by trying harder. Since intimidation is a spirit, you can't fight it because you're a strong person. Since intimidation is a spirit, spiritual resistance requires spiritual assistance. It must be addressed in the realm of the spirit. You can't address it in the things of the flesh, the carnal ways. Why would people who are intelligent, physically strong, struggle with intimidation from those often smaller than themselves? It doesn't make sense. Because it's not a natural weakness. It's a spiritual weakness. Elijah would face all these odds, but from this small person, he would be undone by a spirit of intimidation. Now, I want to look at the nature of this spirit. 2 Kings 9, verse 22. It says, how can there be peace, Jehu, a commander of the army, said, as long as all the idolatry and witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abounds. So I want to talk about the nature. What's the nature behind the spirit of intimidation? Witchcraft of your mother Jezebel abounds. The nature of intimidation is witchcraft. A person exercises witchcraft, listen to this, when they seek to control. the roots of witchcraft is about control. It's about control. Okay? A person exercises witchcraft when they seek to control. Galatians 3.1, you foolish Galatians, Paul says, who has bewitched you? Strange word. Who's bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. In other words, he was saying, who got in there? Who cast the spell? Now, we're not talking about, you know, Cantations and that type of thing. Paul's referring to teachers who had persuaded them to disobey what God had clearly revealed to them. And they had a controlling spirit and it affected the entire church. Paul was saying, who got in there and bewitched you? Who got in there with a controlling spirit? Who got in there with a spirit of intimidation? There are people in the church whose heart's not right with God that will intimidate others will intimidate leaders to get what they want these people will act submissive until they don't things don't go their own way and when a person a teacher an elder a believer a pastor a person of of ministry giftings is when it doesn't go their way when that person is weak they're the ones with intimidating spirit, begin to affect the direction of their lives. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. For though we live in this world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And so since the enemy of intimidation attacks our soul, it can only be defeated, not with the weapons of the flesh, it can only be defeated by the sword of the Spirit. And it's proud of them. It happens. It's around. It exists. By the sword of the Spirit, standing firm on God's Word and your positional authority in Christ Jesus, your Lord. So, we close. He wants to wake up the gift. The word gift, remember Paul says, I need to fan into flame. i got to wake the gift up. i got to wake it up, Timothy. The word gift is charisma, which is everything that your salvation has given you. It's the gift that flows through you, touching others for the kingdom. So if intimidation lulls the gift to sleep, what wakes it up is boldness in Christ. Not arrogance, but boldness. If intimidation causes a person to draw back, boldness lunges you forward to face the opposition. 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. Now, we, I know we've got to get to those three because that's our series title. But you've got to come back another week because I just need to spend a whole half an hour just on those three things. We need to today to understand that the spirit of, is, of, of intimidation is... If you are experiencing the things that we've talked about earlier, the confusion, the sense of unworthiness, the sense of being dismantled, there's something going on, and it's not always the spirit of intimidation. You can't just put everything to the spirit of intimidation, but the spirit of intimidation is active, and it displaces your authority so that you will not accomplish God's plan for your life. You will not accomplish the authority by which He has sent you forward. And in order to be able to pull that out and to be a ruler over, he pulls you back into lethargicness, into a place of despondency. You quit, you don't get involved, you back away, all that kind of stuff. Those are the results that come out of it. Instead of stepping forward and saying, I'm going to do the work of the ministry. You know, he comes against me this way, I'm going to come back harder. But not in your strength, because it's the Spirit. You fight it, the Spirit and your flesh, you won't win. You have to fight the Spirit in the Spirit. You have to fight the Spirit according to the Word of God. You have to get into the Word and get into that position of who am I in Christ Jesus. And based on that, here's here's who I am and here's what I will do. Not pulling back, but stepping forward. Of power and of love and of sound mind. Next Sunday I'm going to talk about that. Actually, next Sunday I want to talk about what renders a person vulnerable to intimidation. I think that's important. I'm I'm going to use my text next Sunday, 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. We have to figure that one out. Because that is the place of displacing where intimidation has come against you. The spirit, spirit is coming against you. So I want to close today and ask the question, are you being controlled by a manipulating spirit? A controlling spirit. Is intimidation paralyzing you in the realm of the spirit? Is it causing you to compromise what you know to do what is right? So if intimidation loathes the gift of sleep, then let's begin to rise up and awaken with the fanning of the Spirit of, of His Word, in the boldness of His Word, in the fullness of His Word. Again, I read the Scripture, I remind you, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, for God has not given us a spirit of intimidation. But of power, and of love, and of sound mind. Hebrews 13, 6, So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? I want to pray as we dismiss today. And I want to pray specifically that boldness will begin to rise up by the power of His Spirit. And... That we would just begin to believe, believe the power and the greatness of God in your position of authority. Raise you up in the heavenly realms. Just going to invite your heads to be bowed and your eyes to be closed. I asked the question when I was going through this and talking of some of the some of the indicators of what this spirit of intimidation, some of the indicators that help you to understand, okay, something's going on here. Something's at work, and it is affecting me. I invite you to some of the symptoms. Confusion, discouragement, ministry frustration, losing your perspective having an overwhelming sense, you can't do it. There can be a controlling spirit in place. And it usually comes through a person. A person who allows a spirit of control, manipulation, to exercise against others. But if you recognize that, let's begin the journey of freedom against the spirit of intimidation. So Father, I just pray now in Jesus' name that God, Your Word Your word would come alive with this. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let your word come alive. Holy Spirit, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord. Praise this name. Praise His name. Praise His name. Would you just repeat this prayer after me? Father God, I thank You for Your Word. And I am aware that You have placed me with Christ Jesus in authoritative heavenly realms. You have provided for me all the giftings to accomplish your plans through my life. Lord, I also recognize that the spirit that came against young Timothy is also active today. Holy Spirit, I ask you, what has been happening in my life? That if there is a spirit of intimidation or fear... That has been affecting me. Show that to me. My heart is open for my spirit to be reawakened. That you would fan into flame the gift that you had planted in my heart. And so this morning, I open my heart to you. I do not want to be under that spirit. Instead, I choose to be of Christ Jesus to be above all principalities and powers, above all rulers and authorities of this world. That confusion will not be my master, inferiority is not my master, feeling overwhelmed is not my master, my master is my Lord Jesus Christ, and you have given me power, you have given me a sound mind. You have given me the authority to be everything in Christ Jesus. Now, Father, I just pray for every person, every man, woman, teenager today, that, God, you would just reveal, reveal yourself in our hearts today. God, I believe, God, you're going to bring the church into a moment of triumph, but that, God, we need to rise up in all that you've equipped equipped us in. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, reveal. Holy Spirit, identify, we ask in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.